there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I want to speak to you this morning about right effort, because I think this is important. Every living thing on earth has to make efforts. These efforts are mechanical efforts. It's just like your first shock. Your first shock is breathing. It's mechanical. Life makes you do that. There's nothing you have to do. The first conscious shock, your second shock, is something else. But your first shock is breathing. It's like when that baby comes out of the womb, you know, the first thing they get that baby to do is breathe. That's the first shock. And then life begins. And then, of course, death begins at the same time because you have only got so many breaths. And when you're done breathing all of the breaths that have been measured out to you before you came here, then you breathe your last breath. And what happens? You try to take another breath, but you can't inhale. All you can do is exhale because you're done. There are no more breaths left for you. And that's why when you watch someone die, you will see that they... Breathe out, but they can't breathe in again. And the reason they can't breathe in again is because there are no more breaths in their account. So they're done. It's over. So the day you take your first breath, the counting begins. And now you're counting down toward your last <laughs> breath. And you act as if you have unlimited breaths. You act as if it's infinite. You act as if they'll always be there. But the truth is, they will not. It is limited, and yours are already measured out. And your last breath is your last breath. And there's nothing you can do about that except be ready for it. And the way to be ready for it is to use this breath and the next breath and the next breath and the next breath working so that you can make yourself ready for your last breath. We're required to eat and drink as well as make other efforts. But did I mention taxes? Yeah, we're required to pay taxes too, if we have a job or not. My mom used to say, the only thing certain are death and taxes. She missed mechanical efforts. That's certain, or we end up dead, which is also mechanical. You're going to die a mechanical death. Now, the question is, will you die like a dog or not? Mechanically, you're going to die. Mechanically, you're going to run out of breath. Your body has got to stop. Mechanically, it's got to stop. Now, the question is, will you have prepared something else for your consciousness to embody so that you can survive the cessation of your physical body? Will your consciousness have another place that it can get into? Will you have worked hard enough to get your consciousness out of the body and into a new body? That's really what this work teaches. It's called the second body. Will you have done that by the time you run out of breath? And the answer to that is, we'll see. I don't know. But if you are old like me, then you already have part of the answer. You already know that either you have gotten part of your consciousness out of your body and into something else, or you haven't. And if you don't know that you have, well, then you probably haven't, okay? The work talks much about effort, but it's a different kind of effort, an effort not easily, meaning mechanically made. This is why so few people progress in this work. Conscious effort is different from mechanical effort. Sean Nevins wrote, Those who believe they have discovered knowledge about their own being from the words of a teacher are merely memorizing information. You know nothing until you experience. And you experience nothing until you make right effort, conscious effort. Anything else that you experience mechanically, making mechanical effort, is not the same thing. 
Mechanical effort is a real effort that you really make. Everybody gets up and they go to work. Everybody, well, not everybody, but people get up, they go to work. They make an effort to take a shower or to bathe or to, or to eat or to do this or to clean the house or whatever efforts life makes us make. Life forces everything that's alive to make some kind of mechanical effort. This is mechanical effort. The experience of your being comes from conscious effort, not mechanical effort. So if you're going to experience your being, which we do not do, we have a being, but we don't know what it is, do we? How did your being attract this today? How did your being attract what you have in your life? You have a clue. And the reason you're having a clue is because you don't know your being. And the reason you don't know your being is because in order to know and experience your being, you have to make conscious effort. And not just conscious effort of any old kind. You have to make specific conscious effort, directed conscious effort. That's entirely different. And you have to learn. You have to be taught how to do that because life doesn't teach you how to do that. Life teaches you right off the bat how to breathe. You don't have to learn that. Life taught you that. Life teaches you right off the bat how to digest your food, how to circulate your blood, how to do all those things, you know, how to eliminate poisons from your body if you don't overload it. Life teaches you all those things. You don't even have to do anything about that. That's all wired in. It's all programmed into your DNA. It's all programmed into your reptilian brain. You have a whole different purpose for being here, but most people never realize that. So it doesn't come from mechanical effort. There's no clear division between the two, between mechanical effort and conscious effort. You may go to your job mechanically, but also consciously make an effort to do it more intelligently, to do it willingly, to do it excellently. You may go to your job mechanically and then have relationships in your job where you must make conscious effort because you have made that a goal, a work aim. And you say, okay, this person is really a pain, but I'm going to make this person part of my aim about externally considering. I'm going to externally consider this person. I'm going to not mechanically express negative emotions to this person. When I think about this person and I start to get negative, I'm going to stop it right there and I'm going to externally consider them. That is conscious effort. And first of all, you've got to have a little bit of consciousness to even make the effort. You've got to remember your aim to even make the effort. Most of us don't even remember our aim. We just go, boom, right off. So you can see that it's not that easy. Nothing escapes the laws governing this planet. Nothing. All organic life must make mechanical effort. There are no exceptions. From the single cell things on this planet that we call living things to the most complex being on this planet, which we call a human being. But it's not really a human being. It's just a very complex machine. Until it wakes up, it is not a human being. It's just a very complex machine. The amazing thing is only one tiny part of the film that coats this planet can make conscious effort. Man can make conscious effort, though he rarely does. He serves nature following the line of least resistance. What does that mean, following the line of least resistance? He acquires all of the patterns of life that have been passed on from generation to generation that are societal, that are familial, that are tribal, that are racial. He acquires all of those things from race consciousness, from family consciousness, from country consciousness, state consciousness, city consciousness, all these different things, these collective consciousness, he acquires from all of these things. He imitates the people around him until he acquires a whole set of tools on how to live mechanically in life. And then he does that. And we call that serving nature. Well, why do we call that serving nature? Because your real purpose is never realized. Your real meaning is never realized. You never wake up to it. You just die a machine. You die like a dog. You die like a leaf on a tree. You die like a carrot pulled out of the ground or that's left in the ground. What happens to a carrot that's left in the ground? It goes to seed. Then once it goes to seed, all that root that was edible dries up and rots. It dies and it goes to seed and then it starts the whole cycle again. So it's like that. We're doing that until the day that we realize that there is a higher meaning for us, a higher purpose, that we didn't just sprout 
out of the ground or sprout out of the sea or sprout out of the trees. That this evolution thing, yes, that's all true. We are evolving. We are evolving physically. We are evolving emotionally. We're evolving mentally. These things are all true. And we may even be evolving spiritually. But it's so tediously slow. It's so horribly slow that I don't want to be any part of that. That is what nature is doing. I don't want to be any part of that. That takes millions of years. There is something else for us. We are the only beings in this organic film coating the earth. We are the only part of it that can make conscious effort. My dog can't make conscious effort. He just is a machine. He's a very nice machine, and I like him and everything, but he's just a machine. And you can see that he does all kinds of things exactly like every other dog in his breed. It's amazing. You know, you look at them, and they behave the same. They spin. They go into those trances. All of the things that they do. They're afraid of certain things. They bark at certain things. And there are, there's a little variation in there, but not much. And the little variation is just what makes evolution possible. So... If it was always, everything was exactly the same, it would never change. But the fact that there's a little variation every once in a while, there's just this little shift, something can change. And so that's what we call mechanical evolution, and there is such a thing. But we're talking about conscious evolution, the possibility of your conscious evolution transforming into a, a, a different order of being so that you no longer serve nature, so do it, you escape nature's fate for you. That's what we're talking about, and that's what this work is about, and that's what all esoteric teachings are about. As long as man serves nature, he will be as violent as nature. Chapter 26 of Matthew, I'm going to start at verse 47 and read through 56. I don't even remember what this is, but, oh, here it is. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a great multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign, saying, Whomever I shall kiss, he is the one, seize him. And immediately he went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus, Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must happen this way? At that time Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So that's the story. It's a grim story. It's a story that we all have heard from time to time, or most of us have heard from time to time, so we're familiar with it. But just like anything that we're familiar with, we have our own understanding of it, and it's very hard to break through that, to shake that loose, and to get to something better, to get to something more. But the point is that this is a picture of what it's like for us. We are violent, and our first reaction, no matter how much we study the work, no matter how much time you spend studying the work, and that's what Peter did. He spent time studying the work with Jesus. No matter how much time, his first reaction was violence. His first reaction was to draw his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant or slave. And Jesus, because he was awake, immediately said, put away your sword. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And what that means is we are violent. That is our nature. That is our inherited, acquired nature. We have acquired violence from nature. If you look at nature, it is crazy violent. In fact, you'll see these little things going around on the internet or films on TV where a dog nurses some kittens instead of eating them. 
or a leopard kills a mother baboon and then sees there's a baby and instead of killing the baby too, takes the baby and takes care of it. This is unheard of in nature. This is a freak of nature when something like that happens. And that's why we have videos going around about it. And people are going, ooh, ah, because of course we're anthropomorphizing the animals. We're making them something that they're not. But it's the variation in nature that makes evolution possible. It can happen. Well, it happens with us too, but it's so slow. This is a picture of the beginning of some of the most difficult conscious effort a man ever has to make. Clearly mechanical effort is strong, overwhelmingly so in this case. Here Jesus shows us that only by making conscious effort can man change his being, which is now based on violence, the sword. Might makes right, war, power, control, domination. It's in everything. It's in relationships. The man is the head of the house. The woman is supposed to do this and do that. Where is the equally yoked in that? There is no equally yoked. This is my house. I earn the money. You do what I say. Well, no wonder the divorce rate's over 50% nationwide. I mean, you can't do that. You cannot do that to people and expect any kind of a good result. That's mechanical, and you're serving nature, and nature only cares about one thing. Your demise so that it can reap your force. That's all that it's interested in. And how much it can make you suffer to get your force through suffering until the day that you do finally die. Pretty cheery thought, huh? That is what it means to serve nature. All these people out there having fun in life are serving nature. You remember when you were having fun in life? We talked to Lori yesterday about, why are you here, Lori? Well, because it's a comfortable life. It beats the bars. Lori, you used to live in Hawaii, didn't you? Hawaii was great, wasn't it? Beautiful paradise. How was your life? It sucked. Right. So can your life suck in paradise? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can your life be great in hell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's an inside job. It's an internal state that makes it what it is, not what's outside. But we don't get that. People in life don't get that because they have no understanding. They have no light. They have nothing to guide them and lead them. They're just stuck on this treadmill going over and over and over again, doing the same things over and over and over again, thinking the next time, the next time it's going to last longer. The next time it'll be better. The next time, the next guy, the next girl, the next drink, the next this, the next dance, the next movie, the next shirt, the next pair of pants, the next job, whatever it is, the next one, that's going to make me happy. And it never does. Some people die that way. And some people wake up in the middle of that and they go, wait a second, that's enough of that. And maybe they find the work. Maybe they listen to a podcast. Maybe they pick up a book. Maybe somebody hands them something at the right time. I don't know what the answer is, but everybody has their own way. The amazing thing about us is that we can make conscious effort, and that conscious effort can change everything about us. It can change everything about us. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen. This change of being is what the practical side of this work is about. Do not err in this. You are a violent man, and that must change or no change of being is possible. Don't make the mistake of thinking you're not violent. There are some people who are obviously violent, and they know it. And from my perspective, they have an advantage. They know it. It's the people who think that they're flower children, the people that think that they're all peace and love, that just stuff it and hate with impunity because it's all in the dark. Those people have a hard row to hoe because they have to wake up to that. The people who are already violent, well, they have a hard road to hoe too, but for them it's they've now got to stop that violence that they have allowed to run them their entire lives. There are some people who have just given way to violence. They are just simply violent people, extremely violent people, and they have nothing going on about it. The same way a predator has nothing going on with chasing down a small animal and killing it and eating it while it screams. Nothing, absolutely nothing going on about it. There are people like that. We don't like to say that. We don't like to admit that. We don't even like to think that. But there are people like that. And the truth is, is that you are like that.
but you keep it all hidden from yourself. Truth is, is that you would draw that sword just as quickly as Peter, and you would strike. And whether you know that or not, well, that would be dependent upon whether or not you have observed yourself sufficiently to see that. The horror of this planet is that people can make it to the grave without ever making conscious effort. That is the most tragic thing about our planet. That people can actually make it all the way to the grave. They can screw the lid down on the coffin and that person will have never once made conscious effort. That is possible. In fact, it's highly likely for most people today. People think they need a school to make conscious effort. The truth is that the efforts you make in a school are the same as the efforts that you have to make when life is your teacher. So whether you're in a school or not, the efforts are the same. You think, well, if I was in a school, it would be easier. Mm, I don't think so. I think it might be harder. I think it might be a lot harder for a number of reasons. One is, thinking you're in the school, you think, well, I'm just going to be in the school and that'll get me there. That's the first problem. Like Lori, you know, well, my life is comfortable here. Yeah, that's a problem. Your life is comfortable here then we think that people will tell us things in a school that life won't tell us. Not true. I had an email the other day from somebody who said, a school is easier than having life as a teacher. You can make more progress in a school. And the will, maybe. But the truth is, is that in a school, what you learn is to make life your teacher. And in life, what you need to learn is to make life your teacher. And whether you're in a school or not in a school, you need to learn to make life your teacher. And you're either doing that or you're not doing that. Mechanical effort is all that life requires to kill us and use us, to farm us. That's it. Life is farming us. It's like the Matrix. And they get Neo in the car and, so, and he says something. They said, just chill it, copper top. <laughs> you remember that? Copper top. And the, the reference is to a copper top battery. Look, all you are is a battery. You are just serving the machines. You know, they're just using you. They're just farming you. All you are is a battery to them. And when you're done, when your battery is discharged, all the charge that they can get out of you is gone, you're on the scrap heap. They'll just recycle you. They'll recycle you and feed you to the new batteries. They'll make new batteries out of you. That's all. Interesting film. So people think they need a school, but they think that life is too hard for life to be their teacher. But eventually, life has to become your teacher. We naturally look for an easier, softer way. That's natural for us. We always look for the line of least resistance. Why? Well, that's all we know. All we know is the line of least resistance. Then you have the other side of the pendulum. What's the other side of the pendulum? You get the sauce in your mouth, you shut your mouth and say, be tough, be tough. Come on, hold it, hold it, hold it. Which is just the opposite side of the pendulum. I can promise you what you'll do is you'll do that. You'll be tough in that. And then you will let something else go 100% completely. You'll just let something else go in order to get that balance, to get the relief from that. Life is a series of events through which we pass. It is toward these events that we must make effort. And it's not external effort. It's not getting the sauce in your mouth and holding your mouth shut and being tough. That's external effort. That's mechanical effort. You're doing that to please somebody outside. This is all internal effort. This conscious effort has to be internal. It's something you do inside in response to the events in life. It's not something you do outside in reaction to the events in life. It's something that you do inside in response to the events that happen that life is. Life is a series of events. You're passing through those events. We'll either take them more consciously and not identify with them, or we'll take the path of least resistance and remain slaves to life. Life uses events to govern us. You are governed by life. Life uses events to govern you. Life plays you like an organ. Life plays you like a piano. Life plays you like an accordion. It squeezes you, it pulls you apart, it squeezes you, and it presses all the little buttons to make the sounds that it wants coming out of you to come out of you. It is using you, and you don't know it because you're asleep because you're a machine, because you have no awareness of yourself as what you actually are. And this work tries to get you to look at yourself and see what yourself is like, what it's really like. 
beyond the pictures, beyond the lies, beyond all of the acquired stuff, beyond the buffers, beyond the darkness where you've hidden all these things, to see your contradictions, to see what you actually are, and to not react to it, to look at it equanimously, to not react to it, because reacting to it just makes it worse. And people find it very difficult not to react. It takes a tremendous amount of practice. A problem is an event. Problems cannot be solved. This is the biggest problem we have in life. We mechanically try to solve every problem that we have. It's just a mechanical thing. We just try to solve the problem. And all that does is make the problem worse. All that does is get us identified with the event, get us identified with the problem, and the problem cannot be solved. Let me tell you why the problem cannot be solved. Because there is no solution to life. There is no solution to life. Life must be transcended. Unless you transcend life, you will die in your sins, as they say. You must transcend the events. A problem is an event. You must transcend the event. You must get above it. You must get out of it. You cannot be in it and solve it. It doesn't work that way. How do we know that? Look at life. How many times have wars repeated, 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 repeated? How many murders have there been? How many times has all this happened? Over and over and over again. How many times have you done the same stupid thing you said you would never do again? That is trying to solve the problem. It doesn't work. This is why self-help books don't work. You can't solve life. Life is insoluble. And how you transcend it is through non-identification. Events are very sticky. And the glue of problems cannot be made less sticky because we and life are brimming with contradictions. Because of all the contradictions in us, we can't make life less sticky. We can't make problems and events less sticky. They are sticky. You know they're sticky. Look at the people in your life who are problems. They're very sticky. Your mind sticks on them. Your emotions stick on them. You see them and your eyes stick on them. Your thoughts stick on them. You're stuck. You're glued to them. No matter how much you don't want to be glued to them, and the more you hate them, the worse it is. Or the more you like them, the worse it is. It's either way. Either you love them or you hate them. It doesn't matter. Because what we call love is hate. And what we call hate is love. Because it's just one sick, impure self-emotion that is polluting true love. Problems are transformed by something higher. You see, all we have to do is transcend the event, transcend the problem. Then it's transformed and we are transformed. We are transformed so that the problem no longer sticks to us, so the event no longer sticks to us. We become non-identified and something in us changes. It's like a molecular change. It's actually like a molecular change. You know, they have these, these air filters that do some kind of ion thing and stuff in the air will stick to this electronically charged grid, but everything else will just kind of blow by. So it's, it's actually like it charges one thing, so a positive and negative will go together and the two negatives will repel and the two positives will repel each other. So they charge these grids so that they will collect certain things in the air. And then you just take that filter out and you wipe it off, you put it back in, plug it in again, and bam, it goes and it keeps on filtering the air. So it's like that, in a sense. Something is transformed. There's this transformational something that happens from something higher. And you don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is not identify with the event, not identify with the problem, transcend it through non-identification. The transformation process happens in some other way, from some other force higher than you. You transcend. You get yourself above the event. You get yourself above life and something higher than you have got yourself in a position where something higher can reach you and can assist you and you can receive its force, its wisdom, its light, its encouragement, whatever it is that you need in order to stay there and to start to be transformed into the being that you were meant to be. Identifying with a problem will make us negative, and it will lead to violence and cause us to serve nature and her violence. That's the wrong direction if we wish to develop. You cannot afford to hate. 
You cannot afford to dislike. You cannot afford to judge. You cannot afford these things if you wish to develop. Why are you not developing? Well, because you're spending your force on those things that I just talked about. Well, I am not. Good. Now you're spending your force in self-justification, and so good for you. So you won't have any force left for anything if you keep that up. You've got to obey something besides yourself. And since there isn't anybody for you to obey besides yourself, then we use the work. Until we can find real I, until we can discover real I and have Master direct us, we need the work. We need something outside of this system that comes from the conscious circle that can guide us and direct us so that we don't have to depend on ourselves. Because depending on ourselves, we're only going to get what we've always got. Where we begin is not identifying with the small things in daily life. That's where we have to begin. Everybody wants to start with the big things. We love to put out the big fires. But it's the little fires that grow into the big fires. And if you catch them when they're little, they don't have to turn into raging forest fires that take seven counties to put out and $20 million. You catch it when it's just a campfire going astray, and you put it out there. You see? It's the daily efforts that we make. That's what's important, the little things. People have suggested that I need a plan for what I would do in Europe. How would I work with people? I do not need a plan. When people come together, it doesn't take long before there are numerous opportunities to identify and be negative. Then I know what to do. All I have to do is be around people. It doesn't take long. They start to identify, they start to get negative, and then I get to work. Then I can go to work because I know exactly how to deal with it. Why? Well, because I've studied this. The reason people feel badly when they talk to me is because I shine light on their negativity by being a work light. The light does the work. Not me. Not I. It's a work light. The light does the work. I've been saying this for years. It's not you. You are not going to transform yourself. The light will transform you. The light will heal you. What light? The work light. What light is that? Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. doesn't matter. Whatever you call it, that's not it. Is it a work light? No, that's not it. It's just a name that I used. Is it the light of consciousness? No, that's not it. It's just a name we use. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. We do not know its nature. We do not know its true nature. We know that it is beyond anything that we can comprehend. It's the Tao. It's God. It's the absolute. It's whatever you choose to call it, but all those names are just names. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that. Our state of being is such that our violence is easily aroused. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to get your violence aroused? Of course not. All negative emotions lead to violence, to the savage beast from whence we have come, the violent spawn of violent nature. That's what we are. We are the violent spawn of a very violent nature. Inner development means overcoming violence in ourselves through an expansion of consciousness of ourselves in relation to the ideas esotericism teaches. So it's not about just expanding your consciousness and becoming aware of more porn sites. It's not about expanding your consciousness and becoming aware of new recipes and things that you can satisfy your palate with by eating them. It's not about capers. It's not about all of that stuff. It's not about that. It's not about French sauces. and It's not about that. What it's about... <laughs> I dig it off a little, don't I? What it's about is expansion of our consciousness in relation to the ideas that esotericism teaches. Not just expansion of your consciousness in a mechanical way, but in a conscious way, where you direct your attention to these ideas in spite of how you feel, in spite of what the world is saying, in spite of what you're thinking, in spite of what the little eyes are telling you, in spite of all the doubts about this can lead to nowhere, this is insane, this guy's crazy, blah, blah, blah. In spite of all that, it's continuing to make conscious effort, continuing to bring those ideas up into your consciousness, to look at them, to hold them consciously with your attention, to hold them and to choose them over all the other ideas and attitudes and thoughts and feelings that you have acquired in life that have done nothing for you or that have made you worse.
We must, through self-observation, see for ourselves what leads us down to violence. As long as this violence reigns in us, we cannot lift our level of being. Maurice Nicole said, fully conscious men cannot be violent. Negative emotions, even the slightest, bend down towards violence, finally. If you get negative, that octave will drag you down to violence unless you make conscious effort to stop it. We must seal ourselves against the ordinary events of life, against our negative reactions. If we don't seal ourselves, we have no chance. It's just like leaving all the doors and windows open. The bugs come in, you know, no screens. The bugs come in, the dust comes in, and so on and so forth. It's just, it's just you have to seal yourself. You must seal yourself or else it's going to come in, and you're going to react violently, negatively. You come from higher than this earth, and you've got to see life as a means to an end of reaching higher rather than an end in itself. As we are, we take life as an end in itself, and that is why all of our desires and our lusts are all about life. They're all about what we can get to make ourselves happier, more comfortable, get a better position, get a better retirement, get whatever. Get more love, get more this, get more that, get more prestige, get more happiness, get more whatever. It's all about that for us. You've got to start to see that about yourself. This is not why we're here. Life will end in death unless you do something else, unless you find your purpose and you begin this transformational process, unless you find your real meaning and you begin moving toward it, life will end in death. Now, if you can find your purpose and your meaning and you can work and you can submit to the work and you can obey it and you can gather the force, save the force from negative emotions that you would squander normally and use that force to do this work, if you do that, then there's a very strong possibility that you could reach something higher than life, that you could, at the end of life, instead of dying, be born. It's a possibility. You've got to die to be born the second time. That can happen anytime. You don't have to wait until you get to death's door. You could do that today. I don't know. But it can happen anytime. Notice, taste when you become negative. You can observe it if you make right effort. This is how you seal yourself against life's events and negative emotional reactions to them. Mostly, we get up in the morning going into life negatively. We don't take time to seal ourselves against life's events. This is due to imagining when moving center is active, we're awake. See, we think when we get out of bed, we're awake. That's the very first mistake that we make of the day. Thinking that when your moving center is active, you're awake. You're not. You're not awake. You are as mechanical in the morning as any other time in life. Think about your routine. Think about walking into the pantry or going doing this or going doing that. And then what was I doing? Or just going to, you just walk through it in your sleep. You go brush your teeth in your sleep, shower in your sleep, do all this stuff in your sleep. But because the moving center is active, because we got out of the bed, we think we're awake. This is not true. Nothing could be further from the truth. Going into life negative is going into life insane. This is why everywhere you look, people are behaving insanely. Look at the people on, okay, so you drive to work. Anybody drive to work? Yeah. Okay, you drive to work. How many times on your way to work? How many times did you get negative because of what somebody does on the road? I never do. Okay, so we know where you are. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I catch you sleeping there? But those of you who realize that you do sometimes, that's sometimes that you're realizing it. That's just sometimes that you're realizing it. The rest of the time, everybody annoys you. Nobody's doing what they're supposed to do. They're in your lane. Have you ever noticed that? Why does this guy have to be in my lane? Like, it's your. You just got your name on it, right? <laughs> You know, what is that? Um, Diamond? Your name is Diamond? Diamond Lane? (laughs) So it really, it's just so funny. We go into life insane. doesn't take long for us to begin manifesting our violence, our impatience, our anger, our internal considering. On the road, when we finally get to work, when this happens, when that happens, when the, the dog wants to come in again and he just went out. You know, it's like, oh, that's one of my favorites. 
You know, the dog wants to come in again. He just went out, just went out. Now he wants to come in. Then he wants to go out and then he wants to come in. It works every time. I get, I get negative. So it's right there. It's just right there. After observing I is established, we begin to know when to shut up, with whom we should not speak in certain states. Why? Well, because they're idiots. That's why. No. No. Because you're an idiot. Because you're an idiot and you can't keep your mouth shut. Because your pride and your vanity makes you talk when you should shut up. Because you're a mechanical moron and you don't know yourself. And you are totally, completely out of control. And blaming everyone else. That is our state. That is our condition. And we need to face it. And the only way to face it is if we look at it ourselves sincerely through proper, non-identified, non-judgmental self-observation as the work teaches us to observe. Not as we think we should observe. Not as we think we do observe. It's quite different. We must adjust things quietly within ourselves without drawing attention to ourselves with long faces, heavy sighs, and other forms of Pharisaism. How many times have you seen people, someone says something and they go, <sighs> they put on this strong look, I'm going to show everybody how I'm working. See how I'm working now? This person is really upsetting me, but I'm not going to say anything. So I'm really working now. Hey, you got your reward. Everybody knows you're working now. Shut up, man. Don't let anybody know. Then it will really go to something real inside of yourself. Otherwise, false personality takes it. You're done. It's wasted. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this where somebody opens their mouth and they got to say something. They got to talk about how wonderful they are. Every single time, false personality goes, thank you. Goes right into the false personality's account, right out of essential self's account. Directly. The force is transferred instantaneously, never to return. Dumb. It's just dumb, but we do it all the time. Watch that. That's all I can say. Just watch that. Remember, a negative person is an insane person. Well, we all know that, right? We all know that negative people are insane people. Here's the other thing you need to remember. This is the last thing I want to say to you. You are a negative person. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.